Quinn Ewers is back in the starting lineup, but should Texas fans be worried about their recent struggles? Basketball is back in the SEC. Can Ole Miss pull an upset? There's still more controversy around Michael Orr and the Tui family. Will the 49ers defense become better with Steve Wilkes going to the field? Is Bill Belichick coaching for his job? And when should we start worrying about two of our small market basketball teams? We've got a lot to discuss on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. Let's go. What is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Jake's Take. As always, I am your host, Jacob Silverman, at Jake's Take Podcast, at Jake's Sale 14. Join me, as always, later on for Christy's Corners, my co-host, Christine. You can follow her on Instagram and TikTok at Marie underscore double zero. And as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network, at Variety underscore sport underscore. Your home for all sports in different forms and varieties. The first thing we need to talk about is that is now November. Happy November, everyone. You know, it's a great time of the year where we've got the midpoint of football season. Passball season has just started, so I'll see more on that later. But I think first and foremost, what we need to discuss are injuries. Now, Quinn Ewers is expected to start this week. Now, I know some people would say this is an automatic win, but as said by Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Here's the reason why. This Texas team has been struggling recently. They had to go to overtime against Kansas State. They're playing TCU. Now, I know that TCU isn't as good as we expected them to be, and they had that really disappointing loss, and they're just not the best way that they can be. But I could see TCU playing or having a vendetta that needs a... I guess, way for them to improve. Now, does this mean that Texas is on upset watch? I don't think so. I mean, you know, I it would be great to see, you know, a game go wire to wire. You know, when it's not your team playing wire to wire, it's great to see and it's a good game. But when it's your team, you want to blow out. So I think with this, you know, it could really be one of everything. But here's the thing that why I should be concerned. This offense has struggled. Quinn Ewers is coming back in. What if he's not 100% healthy? I know it was a sprain, but with this as well, you know, you have to look at the other things too long-term right now. Texas is fighting for a spot in the playoffs. And if they slip up, they're out of it completely. You know, they have a few more games. They obviously lost to Oklahoma, but then they have a few more games left before they play in the Big 12 championship. With that team, you know, Oklahoma State, the team that lost very badly to South Alabama currently controls if they're going to make it to that game. Texas needs to win out, but Texas also needs to find a way to pass the eye test. When you have your one big win against Alabama, and Alabama's been playing really well recently, that should get you some looks. But you lose to Oklahoma, and Oklahoma has since lost to Kansas and Oklahoma State. So I think with this, it's not necessarily looking too, too well, but I think they're just getting ahead of themselves. What if Quinn's not ready? What if the chemistry is off? We truly don't know. I know that right now their current backup quarterback has played really well and people want to see Arch Manning. Maybe that happens, but right now, you know, he's back. I'm not saying that Texas is going to be set and they're going to punch your ticket to the national championship. But remember, Bryce Young came back and he wasn't the most 100%. And it's happened with Tua before. It's happened with a lot of players as well. Maybe he rushed it in. We don't know. We'll have to stay updated on that. 
Now, moving on to our next point, which is in regards to college basketball returning. Now, college basketball is a very exciting time of year. Hopefully, I can get Christy to watch it because I know she's not a big fan of NBA basketball because she thinks the players complain too much. But I feel like college basketball is a little different. In the first few games that we saw, we've already seen some crazy upsets. You know, you've already seen Michigan State get upset to James Madison. That was insane. No one had expected that. Then you had Auburn who many people were considering to be, you know, one of the best teams in the SEC. They've already lost, too, to Baylor. And then Alabama comes out with a very impressive first win against Moorhead State, where they score more than 100 points. Remember, this is a team that lost two of their top scores to the NBA draft in the first round. You know, you lose Brandon Miller, who was actually at the game, and then you lose Noah Connie, and you're kind of thinking, okay, well, you know, what's next? What's next with this team? And then you kind of have to understand that really with this, they surprised a lot of us. I mean, Mark Sears, will- but then with this team too, you know, you bring in Grant Nelson, Aaron Estrada, Latrell Wrightsell, and they look really good in their debut. Now, I know it's something where it's still early on. We shouldn't be focusing on how they look in their one game against Moorhead State. But then you also have Auburn, who has a very talented coach and a pretty good roster. You know, Joni Brome, who was already picked to be one of the preseason first team All-SEC, where Alabama you know, did not have anyone. And you come out and you lose one of your first games. It's not kind of what you expected. But then here's the thing, too. With Alabama, it's going to get tougher. Eventually, they do play Purdue, and they play... Zach Eady, one of the best players in the nation who many people thought was going to go to the NBA draft. And he said, no, I'm going to figure things out here. I think with this, you know, you've got a lot to figure out with this young team. You've got a lot of players, like we mentioned, who came in from the transfer portal. But then you've got Jaron Stevenson, who reclassified. He should be, you know, figuring out what he's going to do for Thanksgiving break in his senior year of high school, not playing on a basketball court for college basketball. And then you've also got a lot of other players, too, who have to step up. Remember, not only did you lose Brandon Miller and Noah Connie to the draft, but you also lost Charles Bediaco to the NBA. Then you lost Jaden Bradley to Arizona and Javon Quinterly to Memphis. So you only really returned Rylan Griffin and Mark Sears, and then you've also got Nick Pringle. After that, you're pretty young, you know. Now, Sam Walters looks good, and both the Moes, the Mohamed Diabate and Wage look pretty good as well. So I think with this, you know, there's a lot to be excited about for this Alabama basketball team, but it's still early. Remember, they're replacing their coaches too. You know, they have three brand new coaches here. So I think with this, you know, it's going to be a good time for the SEC as well. Remember, we've got five teams who are really good at basketball in Kentucky. You've got Auburn, Alabama, Texas A&M. And I know there might be some talk about LSU as well. I don't know about that. But I feel like with the SEC, they're going to be very competitive when it comes to basketball. It used to just be Kentucky. Now you've got a lot more other teams stepping up and that's what makes things so exciting and with it being friday it is time for christy's corner everyone gather around and listen as christy has a few different topics to discuss including 
Could the Patriots fire Bill Belichick? As always, the floor is yours, Christy. Welcome back to another episode of Christy's Corner. We have some huge things happening, especially with, you know, my favorite conference and my favorite NFL team. So we'll get into all of it. But the first is the question of Georgia and should they be on an upset alert? So we know this weekend that they play Ole Miss. And if you've been here a while and you know me, I'm a huge Lane Kiffin fan. So if I'm pulling for any upset this season, this is the one I want to see happen. Not just because I'm an Alabama fan and I want to see Georgia go down, but I think Lane Kiffin could do it. So there's kind of an interesting like backstory with Old Miss and Georgia. So they actually haven't played each other since 2016. And Old Miss won and won big. It was 45 to 14. But um this win and there were a couple others in previous years that had been scrubbed from Old Miss because of ineligible players and it's a whole big thing. So if you do take that game out, Georgia has a 10 game winning streak against them. So you have to look at it from both angles. But I think, you know, Georgia, I think, is still going to be missing Brock Bowers. I don't think he's going to be back for this game. So that's one ding for Georgia. And Georgia is favored right now, not by a whole lot. I think it's by, like, 10. And Ole Miss can get kind of sloppy. They have, I think, way more penalties than Georgia has had this season. But I also think this is Georgia's first true opponent. Some would argue Missouri would have been, but I mean, we obviously saw what happened and they didn't look like an opponent at all. Now, the thing that's going to decide the winner of this game will be who can convert on third downs more. So Georgia right now is the best in the country and Old Miss ranks 111th at that. So if you just look at that, obviously you're going to pick Georgia. But I think out of any coach, not just SEC, Lane Kiffin, I think, has one of the highest IQs when it comes to football, and he has some of the best tricks. I mean, Georgia's going to expect to watch tapes of Ole Miss and, you know, prepare for what they're seeing. But you can't do that with Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. They can come out with a totally different team, and you're wondering where it came from. So, I mean, it's just going to be a fun game either way. There are some, like, big-name people who are thinking that this is going to be it, and this could be kind of Georgia's sleeper team where they, you know, kind of let their guard down. We've seen it happen with the biggest teams. You let your guard down and you lose, and you can't lose right now if you are looking to be in the playoffs. Another shakeup we might see coming and maybe sooner than most people would have expected is the exit of Bill Belichick. So we know they have been having a terrible season. We know last season didn't go the way they wanted. Patriots are two and seven right now, which is, I mean, mind blowing if you were a Patriots fan during the Brady era and even before. But they play the Colts this weekend in Germany. Obviously, it's not like a playoff implication game. Those days are long gone for the Patriots this season. But people are saying and speculating that if they lose this game, Bill Belichick is going to be let go. So 
the question of him being on the hot seat has been answered. He's on the hot seat. I think we know at least after this season he's going to be let go. But now the question is, will it happen before the season ends? It's I'm torn. I can see Robert Kraft making this decision, but I also have in the back of my mind how much they respect Bill Belichick. And yes, people are going to argue that Belichick was nothing without Brady. But Brady wouldn't have had a chance without Belichick. He was not the starter. We know the story of how Brady got to where he was. So I think there's a lot of respect for Belichick still in New England. So I also think they may, you know, give him that respect and let him go out gracefully and finish out the season. We know he did kind of sign that secret contract. I think the Patriots could pay that off. I don't think that's an issue but if we do happen to see this occur before the season ends um we're gonna see Jared Mayo as the interim coach which obviously previous player for the Patriots and has been there as a coach now so look for that it may happen way sooner than people are expecting uh, just to recap some things we had talked about last time on Christie's Corner, the biggest one was Will Levis. We saw him. He's doing great. I think um, he's definitely going to finish out the season. I think even if Tannehill is healthy and could come back by the end of the season, I could see the Titans sticking with Will Levis in his leadership. And, of course, we also have the Falcons who benched Desmond Ritter, and they are starting Heineke. Obviously, they lost a game with Heineke. I think they're still going to play him. They'll finish out the season with him. And I'm not sure that we'll see a whole lot of quarterback change next year. I think they're going to bring in more weapons for him and just kind of keep rebuilding that offense to where they would like to see it go. So a while back, we had made you aware of the story of the blind side and most of it not being true. You know, Michael Orr said he was tricked into basically giving guardianship to the Tui family. And he said he didn't receive any royalties from the movie about his life. Um, But there has been new evidence submitted to court. And Sean and Leanne Tui, who were the adults that took him in and took care of him, provided evidence and I think they were receipts but it showed 10 separate payments that totaled to $138,311 from them the family to Michael Orr between 2007 and April 2023 and that's kind of I I don't remember when the movie came out but it would have been between that time so he did get money I don't know what the receipts say. I haven't seen a picture of them, but it's really interesting. I just, it's really sad because it's putting a bad light on such an uplifting football movie, football story. But um, the lawyers are saying by agreement between the family, including even their children and Michael, the book and movie proceeds were split five ways. So between the adults, the other two children, and Michael Orr. I don't know, you know, whether Michael is thinking he should have gotten more because it was his life, his story, his name, his face, or if he's saying he thinks he should have gotten all of it. But it's still definitely not the last of this story. It's just going to be a messy battle. 
But let's end on a light note and pick some of our favorite games that are going to be happening this weekend. So, of course, we always start with Alabama. We have Alabama at Kentucky. You know, I don't want to be scared for this game, but with this Alabama team, I kind of always had that thought in the back of my head. You know, a lot of analysts are saying this could be Alabama's sleeper team. You know, they're kind of expecting to win against Kentucky. Nobody's really paying it any mind. But I know Nick Saban, and I know he's not letting his players get in that mindset. So I think if... Saban can control his players and what they're thinking and how they're handling this game, I think we'll be okay. Michigan, Penn State is going to be huge. And I think especially because of the situation with Michigan and just, you know, I'm sure they're super distracted with everything that's happening in the media right now with that whole scandal. So we could see a big upset here. We have... Miami versus Florida State. I'm not, I don't know that I want to call this an upset. Um, I think Florida State's just too consistent to lose that game. We have Utah versus Washington. I think a lot of people are really waiting for the shoe to drop on Washington. They're not giving them the credit I think they deserve. I think they are a tough team this year, and I would be scared to play them. So, I think Washington has that win. We have 13 versus 14. So we have Tennessee versus Missouri. Um, I think I'm going to go with Tennessee here. You know, Missouri's going to be coming off of a loss. They both have the, the same record. Tennessee's kind of looking to prove themselves. They already have two losses. So obviously playoff implications are not there. But I think they're still looking to prove that they're still a dominant team in the SEC. Ole Miss versus Georgia, we talked about this could be the upset game of the weekend. Of course, I'm hoping for it. It's definitely going to be the game that I am watching. And then Florida versus LSU, we know that Florida has had some interesting wins this year, so maybe they can put LSU under their belt. This would definitely knock LSU out of the top 25 for sure. And on to some NFL games obviously looking for the Colts and Patriots because that could have a big coaching implication. You have the Bears versus Panthers. Can Bryce get another win? I I really hope so. I mean, both teams are really struggling this year. Another game to look for is the 49ers versus the Jaguars. I think um, a lot of people are sleeping on the Jaguars, and I'm not sure why. We're just not hearing them be talked about as much as they should be. But I think the Jaguars are going to come away with a win there. And then another game to watch will be Commander Seahawks, maybe. <laughs> I mean, we don't have any playoff implications, but... I know that Ron Rivera has kind of been on the hot seat as well. So maybe another loss for Commanders could send him packing. But not too many exciting games, I don't think, for the NFL this week. But it'll be interesting to see what games we do come away with wins and which ones will leave us talking. But that is all we have, and we'll recap for you next week. Bye! As always, thank you so much for that wonderful insight, Christy. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens 
between Ole Miss and Georgia. I'm picking Ole Miss at the upset. I know, call me crazy, but Georgia has had those slow starts. I feel like Lane Kiffin has a lot to prove, but I think with this, it could also cause some chaos, and we need some chaos for things to go around. So we just kind of have to see how things go there. I would be very surprised to see what happens with Bill Belichick. Obviously, this has not been a great year for the Patriots. You know, you're sitting at 2-7, and seven, and... I know people are going to blame Mac Jones on this, but they have not done a good job with surrounding him with players. What you were doing with Tom Brady worked back then. It has not worked right now. So obviously, I think it's definitely a little interesting to see what happens here. So obviously, now we're going to go on and pick some games. NFL first between the Saints and the Vikings. Both teams are 5-4. and four. I'm going with the Saints here. Saints had a very dominant defensive win against... Chicago Bears, look for them to kind of build off of that. Falcons Cardinals, I'm going with the Falcons here. They need a win. They're desperate need for a win. Hopefully they get Bijan Robinson going and Kyle Pitts as well because for some reason Arthur Smith is kind of allergic to using them. And then the Titans, Buccaneers, I'm going to go with the Titans here. You know, the Buccaneers did not have a good game and obviously Mike Evans is kind of hurting right now. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if it was something where the Titans come out slinging. I know that they want some revenge on things of that nature. So we'll just kind of have to stay updated on that. For SEC, we've got Alabama, Kentucky. I'm going with Alabama. This could be a trap game, but Alabama is very much focused on playing one game at a time. And hopefully that is the case. For Tennessee, Missouri, this is going to be a good one. I could see Tennessee pulling off this win, but I could also see Missouri keeping it close. But I'm going to go with Tennessee, Auburn, Arkansas. Right now, both teams really need a win. I mean, I could very much see it going either or, but let's go with Arkansas. You know, they're feeling hyped. They've got something going for them after their last win. So let's see there. We already talked about Ole Miss, Georgia, LSU, Ford. I'm going with LSU. It's not against Florida, but this has not been their season. And then for Mississippi State, Texas A&M, I mean, both of them are not doing really good, but we'll give it to Jimbo for this one. Those are our picks. Now, obviously, moving on to our final point, which is in regards to basketball. And obviously, you know, if y'all have been listening for the past year, Christy is not a big fan of basketball, but I am, so we have to talk about that. So, obviously, it's still very early in the season. And I know that we shouldn't be getting our hopes up because there's still a lot of game left to be played. I mean, we've only played, I believe, eight games so far. But there still is a lot that needs to be discussed here, especially with some of our small market teams in the South. Right now, we have four teams that you think of when you think of the small market South. And those are the Hawks, the Pelicans, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Charlotte Hornets. The Hawks and the Pelicans have decent records. Hawks are 4-3, and three, Pelicans are 4-4. Four and four. Obviously, with the Pels right now, they've been playing a lot of their games without some of their stars. Simon Williamson just missed the game because his girlfriend had their baby. Herb Jones was out. CJ McCollum is out with a punctured lung, I believe. And then Trey Murphy set to come back, says Jose Alvarado, so is Najee Marshall. You've been kind of playing musical chairs, so this record is kind of expected. And then you've got the Atlanta Hawks, and the Atlanta Hawks, like we always say, they're always going to go around, you know, 500, circle around there. So that's just kind of what we have to expect there. Charlotte Hornets. I expected the Charlotte Hornets to actually play a little bit better, but, you know, they're 2-5 and five right now. 
you've got your rookie who has accounted for 13 points a game, but he's only started two games. But here's what I'm concerned about, and we've talked about this before. The Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis Grizzlies are currently at the bottom of the Western Conference. That's surprising. You want to know why? Because this is a team that's consistently made it to the playoffs. It has the reigning defensive player of the year. It has a former defensive player of the year and Marcus Smart that you traded for. But you don't have John Morant. And now let's look at some of their losses recently. You lose to the Jazz, 133-109. to Then you go to overtime against the Trailblazers. You lose 115-113. to You beat the Trailblazers the next time, and that gives you your first win. And then you lose to the Heat by six. Let's look at some of the games that started off. Obviously, you know, you lost by seven to the Pelicans. You lose by four to the Nuggets. You lose by seven to the Wizards. And then you lose by 15 to the Mavericks. I'm not saying that with this, y'all should be worried. But this isn't a good start for a team that consistently makes the playoffs. But then you also have to look at the Western Conference as well. In the Western Conference right now, you have a team that is 8-1, and one, a team that is six and two, a team that's six and three, multiple teams that are four and four, four and three, and it's very close. But then you've also got teams that are just struggling. It's early. We understand that. Should this be a cause of concern for our small market teams? I'm going to say yes. You know, yes, I know John Morant's suspension is only for about 17 more games, but that doesn't mean that if Jaw comes back, everything's going to be fixed. You need to fix things right now. With the Charlotte Hornets, you still have to get adjustments as well and still figure things out. With the Pelicans, health is the main issue. You know, you have not had the team on the same for fully this season, really. You know, when you have, you're great. But you lose CJ McCollum. He's going to be out for a few weeks, but he'll be back. Trey Murphy should be back in the next week or two. Same with Jose Alvarado. Getting that depth back is going to help. I watched that recent game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. It was not good. But you also are doing this without your best defensive player, one of your best physical players, your starting guard, and you're expecting Brandon Ingram to play iso ball. So with this, health is a big concern. With the Atlanta Hawks, that's the thing that I looked at too. They had those great wins against the Pelicans, and they had a great win against the Wizards. But right now, they're barely leading against the Magic, and they're just going to kind of struggle some more. I mean, DeJounte Murray is currently leading this team in points, and then you've got Trey Young. But then you've also trying to figure out what everyone else can do. So there's still a lot going on. There's still a lot to be focused on with this team. And I think they can figure it out. But fortunately, it's still early on in the season. And as one of my friends says, NBA doesn't technically start until December. But that was going to do on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for the love and support. We could not have grown without y'all. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Jake's Take Podcast, or my personal Instagram, Jake'sil14. You can follow Christy on Instagram, TikTok, at ChristyMarie underscore double zero. As always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network, at Variety underscore sport underscore. You're home for all sports in different forms and varieties. And you can find this episode on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're basically on all podcast platforms. Drop a like, drop a follow, subscribe, share this with your friends. We really appreciate everything that y'all are doing. We are so excited to be back during football season. This is one of the best times of the year. 
and making sure that we bring content to everyone here and keeping y'all engaged. And as always, as always, as always, continue to be great. Be the best version that you can be. Bring smiles into this world. Be alone in this world. The world is still a very scary place and needs our help. And as always, we will listen and hear from y'all later. Take care.